0: The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we get a trails update from Carly Lanch, trails planner for Cache County. We talk about successes from 2021 and all the exciting things in store for trails in 2022 in Cache County. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase, and joining me today, um, a, a, a guest we've had on before, Carly Lanch, uh, the Cash Trails Planner for the county. Welcome back.
1: Thanks, Chase. It's good to be back.
0: Yeah, you. Well, you reached out to me and said we need to do a trail update, and I said yeah. absolutely. We, you know, there's been a lot happening this last year. I, I can't believe that it was like a year ago. I don't remember what month we did our first interview, but. Um, in the year that you've been in this role of trails planner, there's been so much happening and it, and it deserves to be recognized and it, and it deserves an update. So
1: it's yeah, to back lot, on. lots going on and a lot of things kind of coming, uh, to culmination from years past too, because a lot of these projects take a lot of time to, to mature. So it's right. been well, fun to see past momentum kind of come to a head and then some get some steamrolling for other projects.
0: Right. Well, on that note, how is that working in a position where like some of the projects that you're working on are years, you know, that it takes years to develop them. How, how is that? How has that been for you?
1: Yeah, it's different for every project. Uh, We just had a ribbon cutting um, earlier this year for the Murray farm trailhead. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was, that was in the works for almost 15 years is what I've been told. Wow. Just from the, the inception of the, um, you know, wanting public access and then the opportunity for the Murray family to be able to sell their their property to the Forest Service and through, you know, the grant that had to be acquired from the Forest Service to be able to purchase the property and then building a trailhead took a while. Um, actually, I think that probably when you got down to it, the construction actually probably took less time than everything leading up to it because wow. that just took a couple months of our our county uh, roads department did that one um, and they built it so well, yeah a different for every project <laughs> yeah,
0: you have to be a patient person in this type of position I imagine it's probably easy to get impatient with you know wanting a project to move forward or and there's so many stakeholders involved we talked about that I feel like in the in the previous episode like you're having to wrangle so many different people and organizations entities and getting everyone on the same page and bought into a project so um it's fun to talk about some of these projects that are actually happening or or have happened this last year but i i thought it would be helpful to at least mention like we saw each other at the utah outdoor recreation summit that was here in logan uh, for the first time ever um and for those who don't know it's a great conference bringing together the whole um Utah outdoor industry to talk about issues and bring everyone together. And, um, it was, it was held here at at Utah state. Um, what part in that did you play? Like, what does an event like that do for your office and for the work that you're doing? I know you got people out volunteering as a part of that and raised awareness about trails up here, but how was that event for you?
1: So, uh, I guess I'll say this for listeners just so they can see how the state really does. It's, um, the best that it can to support recreation because they see so much you know tax revenue, benefit, quality of life. And I mean it's just foundational, I think, for our state. Um, but we have the first uh office of outdoor recreation at our like governor's kind of level. And so through that they have um grant programs that have helped make a lot of projects locally come to life. Um, but yeah, last last week at the summit was so great. They had the um, Utah Trails Forum, which is kind of a newer group where they have trail building professionals and nonprofits and land managers just kind of come together from all reaches of the state down in Canyon Country to up here and, you know, n- the northern <laughs> reaches of Utah to kind of cross-pollinate uh, best practices and ideas and challenges. Because a lot of the challenges that we face at in the trail world, um, they're not really unique to us. It can feel like you're, it's unique to, to you. If you're, you know, like, uh, for, for instance, our trails program is quite small at this point. So it feels sort of like you're alone and try to face it or work with the forest to face it, but there's a lot of similar issues throughout the state. So that was great to come together and have, there was a bunch of panels, um, and breakout mm-hmm. kind of sessions for folks to, to talk through some things. Um, and the, the summit was great though. We had an e-bike tour with Magnum Bikes, which is a company based out of Salt Lake. Um, and that was kind of more of like an urban uh bike through town excursion. And then we had a service project um on new trails that we're developing in Hyde Park. Um, so it was fun.
0: Well, speaking of that, we should talk um projects um, and Hyde Park, you mentioned like what's, what's we're going to get into like what's happening around the Valley, what's happening up the Canyon in terms of trails and Hyde Park is one of those that is currently being worked on. Uh, what does yeah. that project entail?
1: Yeah. So uh, last year or two years ago, I think uh, it took an act of Congress, but there was kind of a orphaned uh, 80 acre BLM parcel that there wasn't really a, a long-term management plan for. And you know, it's been kind of no man's land. People just go up there and shoot and, you know, have fires and do whatever. And it's just looks like normal public land, but it's kind of surrounded by private property. Anyways, um, Hyde Park City, uh, I've been told years ago, they were like, why can't we, you know, use this canyon? It's a great resource that it's so close to us. Um, it'd be great to do something and uh, do something with it. Um, and then anyways, years and years later it was included in the john d dingle conservation area act and it passed through congress and it was conveyed to the city um so the city it's now in their boundary they annexed it in um and they uh are building a two million gallon water tank um kind of at the uh if you're in the canyon it's where the roads fork it's kind of the back of the canyon Mm. um and with that the the mayor is really energized and they're building kind of a trailhead um, for us, uh, like a parking area right next to the um, to the water water tower. So uh, long term, Bonneville Shoreline Trail will kind of feed into the mouth of that canyon, and then the city's actively wanting to build more trail. Um, so so we we're about to wrap up an entirely volunteer small mile loop um, in the canyon. Uh, which is uh, just the beginning, I think, of what we might be able to do in that property. But but I guess tying that back to the outdoor rec summit that we had last week, we had um, someone from Flagline Trails out of Flagstaff uh, come up and teach uh, in the canyon about how to flag and get tr- good trail alignments for you know sustainable grade and. Um, kind of looking at all those building components. And so that was fun to have other trail professionals be in the Canyon with us and just be like looking at the, you know, landscape thinking, how can we, you know, maximize the miles of trails and how can we make a great, you know, experience in this Canyon and, um, build off of its existing use patterns and all of that. So it's, well, that's, fun.
0: that's going to be so helpful. Cause like trail is, I mean, there's like a trail certification that that you can take through Utah State, right? What is it called exactly? The Trail
1: Master Steward Course. Yes, which is is one that we recommend. Take Cal, put that together. Yeah, it's fabulous.
0: Take it. But I feel like it's like another level to actually be out there with other trail professionals and have them point out different things or, you know, be there like actually in the environment. It's probably a, a whole nother level, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was great.
0: That's awesome. It was funny.
1: We, the whole class spread out and we all had clinometers that we're looking through to -hmm. read slope angles. And we probably looked like such, uh, you know, we probably looked funny to people that didn't know what we were doing, just laying random flags out and it was fun.
0: That's awesome. Well, do you, do you want to talk Bonneville shoreline? I I mean, you, there's, this is like a a big one moonshot. You and I talk moonshots a lot, but
1: yeah, this is one that's that's like a lot. Yeah, this one's like a long,
0: this one's like a long-term project, but what do you feel like Bonneville's looking like? Is there any, any traction there? Anything that we should know about?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, um, I think that where you'll see the most progress on Bonneville shoreline trail in the next probably one, two years, um, is in North Logan, uh, North of green Canyon, excuse me. And, um, well, also see some some development in uh, hyde park canyon at the mouth of the, the canyon there we got some grants recently through rtp the recreation trails program out of the state and then the office of outdoor recreation um administered some money that the legislature actually appropriated specifically for bonneville shoreline trail this year mm-hmm. they earmarked five million dollars for bst exclusively and so uh a lot of that money I think went down to, um, projects on the Wasatch front where they're really shovel ready and they needed to, um, acquire property, um, and things like that. So, um, but it was encouraging to see the legislature, you know, well, with active transportation and with trails, we've seen them be quite generous the last few years. Um, so I'm hoping to see more of that, but, but anyways, back to Bonneville shoreline trail, um, we're working, yeah, with, um, some, some, uh, developers and property owners to make sure that shoreline trail is included. Um, uh, Yeah. And then Hyde Park and North Logan area, there's still some property um, that will be blocking where the trails will connect, but that's the nature of Bonneville shoreline trails (laughs) and other, you know, long regional trails. They're very piecemealed um, in how they come together with property and development that comes in or not comes in you know it they all have different timelines so right sure but that's where we're focusing our efforts
0: do you feel like there's traction being made kind of on the like the shoreline area because of development because people are starting to live up there so they want a trail up there or like is that motivating some of this you feel like or
1: yeah I think that the trails um When development comes in, I I think, you know, there's been market studies that have shown that your property value increases when you have access to -to close-to-home recreation opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, Bonneville Shoreline Trail, I mean, if you go and knock on most people's doors, I think most people are amenable and and like that the trail's there. And then others, you know, do not want that in their backyard. Um, So it's kind of a mixed bag. But, you know, when a lot of the... um, land sort of changes what it's historically been used for from, you know, grazing or whatever ag agricultural use, there might've been to, to development and housing. Um, that's typically when you'll see the turnover and to, to solidifying the easements for trails. Um, you know, there are trails that exist uh, kind of where we want the Bonneville shoreline trail, but they're not legal and protected on through easements and on paper and, um, things like that. So, yeah.
0: Well, let's jump back over to the, the Wellsville side of things. You talked Murray farm. So that is open now. Um, yeah. the other, the other big, uh, I guess, big issue in that area is Wayne's loop. And I yeah. feel like that's now na- that's a trail can. name that, probably more people know the name of that trail now than they did a year ago Mm -hmm. or like two years ago. Um, what's, what's the saga of, of, uh, Wayne's loop and what kind of where is it at right now?
1: Yeah, that one's been a sore spot for everyone this year. Um, for, I guess, context for listeners, I think most people know locally Wayne's loop and deep Canyon and it's a, you know, a three mile non-motorized loop and it's, Kind of flowy and fun, and um, people love it. But um, the access to it is not ideal. It's very restricted. The uh, road getting to the trailhead um, can be quite dangerous, actually. When you know after it rains, and you've got a lot of vehicles coming down, and it's easy to lose traction. And uh, anyways, it's on Mendon City owned property, and the city council made the decision to uh, close the trail um because of uh, uh, dust being kicked up off the road and impacting people's crops um and just kind of complaints and you know it's not it's not really safe at this point. So um we at the county and we're even working with the city on we have a concept plan for how what a trailhead will look like um, on that property moving forward. Um, and we've been actively pursuing all the grants we can uh, to try to to bring in some money for that project. Um, so slowly but surely, I think that there's a lot of community momentum, um, and the city council is supportive of making access better there. Um, and so we are. I wish I had better a better update to say that we're going to be building this trailhead in the spring. But at this point, we're we're still looking for for money. Um, okay. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see timeline. I'm not, it's not clear right now, but, um, there's some good, uh, I think mm, energy to, to see that forward. Um,
0: How, how does that trail? Cause that trail also, that's the deep Canyon trail that takes you up. If you want to climb the Wellsvilles, right? Like, is yeah. that, cause that affects that, that area as well. It's the same parking lot.
1: Yeah. So how has that
0: affected kind of that Wellsville climb?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Good question. So it's on city owned property in unincorporated County that abuts national forest service Mm. land. So you can still access the forest through it. And it's actually interesting that all of that land was actually deeded from the forest service. um, Oh, I can't remember the date offhand, but to the city um, f- for, um, for the city to steward it and protect the water. Um, and so there's kind of an agreement, uh, dating, I think almost a hundred years ago at this point that the city has to take care of the property. And so it, there's some, some connection to, to that, you know, public access needs to be maintained there. Um, because it's for, for it was forest land, but did that answer your question?
0: Yeah, it was. I guess it was. Um, I'm curious where people are are climbing the Wells fills from. Are they enter are like trying to climb from Sardine? Like where are they, if, if people want to do that, where? Oh yeah, are if the they want to get be? on the
1: ridge, I think yeah. some people are still parking at Deep Canyon. Um, I, the trail itself is closed, mm-hmm. um, to my more recent knowledge. But yeah, the the city wanted to just dissuade folks from uh, getting up there because the access is so so touchy and um but you yeah you could get up there through deep but i think most people are going down to murray farm um
0: because
1: you can go up either narrow or wide canyons and hook up onto the up into rattlesnake and onto the ridge line
0: oh gotcha okay so
1: yeah, so that, and then that, that's too good. down in sardine. Yeah,
0: so that's good timing for Murray Farm to open, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> well, everything with Wayne's gets kind of yeah. hopefully figured out. So there's a good alternative uh-huh. at least for now.
1: So um, I, I guess one other thing that I'll say is that um, Bonneville Shoreline Trail—we always think about it being on the eastern edge of the valley, mm-hmm. but um, in our uh, the Northern Utah Bonneville Shoreline Trail Vision and Plan, it uh, it is to circle the Wellsvilles as as well. Mm-hmm. Because that was also shoreline um, when Lake Bonneville was in existence. So one of the things that I have I have requested for Bonneville Shoreline Trail money for the um, Deep Canyon Trailhead. We didn't get it though, but we did get it for Hyde Park. Um, but we were trying to make the argument that if if we have good access points on the north, more northern end of the Wellsville's on the Cache Valley side. And the southern end that, that that would be a good incentive for us to really start trying to work with property owners to get Shoreline Trail to connect the two, which is again a long, longer-term vision.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That'd be incredible. Willing, but how do you balance like short-term projects and long-term projects? Because like you need those short-term ones so that you can <laughs> like feel that win, right? And like yeah. feel good about like cutting that ribbon, but you also have to have these longer term ones to like really move things forward and and make big impact, right? Not that the yeah. smaller projects aren't big impact, but like, how do you balance like the amount of big projects you're working on versus smaller term, you know, shorter term yeah, projects? good
1: question. Um, I think a lot of the short term stuff is what people see and what people, you know, get excited about. And so when you have a little bit of that energy, like with our Hyde Park Loop Trail, that's really motivating and fun um um, but even when i mean you have to do a bunch before you can dig a trail legally and uh i guess you can find or i find satisfaction in doing some of that fun volunteer stuff like going to bag invasive species off off a trail Mm -hmm. and doing occasional volunteer stuff to just kind of bring you into the present of like this is what's happening on the trails right now um, even when, you know, you're thinking and working behind a computer most of the time to work towards a longer term vision. Uh, I think that that helps me stay motivated. Right?
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> but- that's awesome. Well, I, I want to ask about feasibility studies. You mentioned that there's a lot of movement there before we talk about one of the the biggest successes that's happened recently. Um, so yeah, what what do you have in terms of like feasibility studies? That's not something that's like on my radar, but it's probably a big part of your world, right? You're always yeah. doing some type of study.
1: Uh-huh, yeah, thanks for asking. We've, we have two studies. Well, one just wrapped up. We're looking at... Um, uh, doing a shared use path, so like an asphalt trail um, to connect between Paradise or Hiram to Paradise mm. um, in the SR 165 corridor. And then we were looking at how to get a shared use path between Smithfield and Richmond, so way on the north end of Cache Valley. So, yeah, we're kind of looking at that north end and that south end, how we can make connections between the communities. Um, and uh, we, yeah we just finished that study earlier this year. We had great consultant teams working on that. Um, and it, (laughs) I was intimidated by the price tag (laughs) that they said the, the, that those trails might cost. Um, but it was good, uh, for us to, we have to do those sort of studies so that we can rule out, you know, where we should be putting time and energy and work and investment and targeting grants, um, to make, make things come to life. But the um, I was really excited by the, um, the Smithfield to Richmond section Uh, it it would have to be grade Separated um, from the travel lanes for all the cars um, just for their safety Mm -hmm. protocol, um, which ups the price tag quite a bit. Um, But it, it seems like there's been positive movement, for where where some of those dollars for active transportation are coming from that we could use to build that Um, so anyways i'm excited about that and then the, the another study that we're working on um it's called a first and last mile study uh which is planner urban planner sort of jargon for uh looking at transit um, and figuring out what that first mile that you do to get to the transit stop and that last mile, what you do to get back home or to your destination from the transit route, um, what that looks like. So we're looking at, uh, we did a transit propensity and accessibility analysis to look at, um, where there's likely a demand for ridership, um, and where there are gaps in sidewalks networks and stuff like that so we're trying to basically help coach the cities that are in cvtd um in CVTD's service area so that we can encourage them to start filling in sidewalk gaps um, mm. within proximity to transit stops and trying to kind of beautify some of the existing transit stops and make them more accessible for folks that are you know use mobility devices to get around and mm. and things like that and where we can have more bike storage too. So people can ride to, to hop on transit and where we can locate those throughout the service area. So that's been a fun partnership with CVTD that we've been working on. Um, but that's it for studies right now.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I, I know that there's, I mean, densification has like been a big point of conversation and contention for some, um, especially in Logan, right. And like downtown, um, I was, I was in a, an email thread with like my neighborhood council and and there's conversations about some, uh, some, you know, potential apartments coming in and denser, denser housing and there's back and forth and a lot of feelings being shared. But, um, I'm curious, like how much you get involved in that when there's a proposal for like a new large development in town, um, are you there as well to, to say, no, this is great. Like we want people to be in, more in a, like a walkable distance, but we want to make sure that the developer also puts in some of these other essential pieces, like yeah. like storage, and you know contributes mm-hmm. that way because it's not enough to just like densify. Like there's all this infrastructure that has to come mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, how much are you involved in that?
1: I'm really not too, too involved. That's more so the boots on the ground with those discussions with developers and the public and the planning commissions really falls to the city planning staff. Mm-hmm. Um so they will be the folks that typically know what the city's requirements are for bike parking or sidewalks and and checking to make that sure that those development reviews when they come through before you can you know move forward with them that they have all of those elements. So uh yeah with the our, our county's program is sort of unique because we work to help encourage good good uh development you know if something's coming in where we could have shoreline trail We want to have our eye on that to help the city know that they, you know, what they, what tools they might have um, to make sure that those easements are in place. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it kind of depends on the project, but usually I'm kind of a a step or two removed from, from that.
0: Uh, Right. Right. No, that's great. Well, that brings me to the underpass, which I feel like is a huge... Huge project, a long time coming, I imagine. Um, involves some very big entities, um, including UDOT. But um, the underpass under Highway 89, Main Street, mm-hmm. um, it's really interesting and really exciting to see that that's like actually going to move forward. So, yeah, you mind sharing yeah. like setting the stage for that because it's part of like a much bigger project. But,
1: uh huh, yeah, Logan City deserves lots of kudos on that one. Um, there's, uh, one of their engineers on staff put that proposal together for UDOT. And, uh, <clears throat> anyways, it, it was on the, not it was the number one recommended project throughout all of the state for this active transportation money. Wow. So it ranked really, really well. Um, and I think that people have been, you know, dreaming up and nudging for that project for years. So it's kind of just a culmination of all of that. Um, but yeah, that'll be where at 600 South, where the Logan river crosses main street. Um, and there's some good renderings of it, uh, on Mm -hmm. online, um, that, that you can, that you can look at, but that'll be awesome. And it'll connect seamlessly, uh, into the rest of the Logan river trail that's already, um, installed down by rendezvous park and out to Trapper park and eventually on, you know, will go north from there. Um, so it's really exciting. It's just a key linkage in the, the system. So
0: it seems like so much of your life is just like finding these like linkages and connections. <laughs> and like when that's gotta be so satisfying, like when you make that connection, cause you've got existing trail on the West mm-hmm. side an existing trail on the East side, but they're not connected. And that moment that you connect them, like that's where, I don't know, you I'm excited to see that flow of people from like West to East. Like, oh yeah. Because It'll I feel like a lot of The people, dynamic yeah. of
1: that whole area, the way totally. that people move, the vehicles right. are set, they're going North, South right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but how people can actually move and, you know, main street can be intimidating to cross. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not the most pedestrian friendly environment to go, especially East to West. So right. having one of those, even just one of those, on our main street, that's completely separated from vehicle traffic. It'll be fantastic. I'm yeah. so excited.
0: Especially that section. I feel like, because there's like, it's a long stretch without a stoplight or, and a, uh, you know, a crosswalk or anything. So to have that and have it be seamless is yeah pretty amazing.
1: They did some good improvements, um, at the Y intersection. And I think years ago, it's kind of mm. funny. I lived here, I think it was eight years ago now, mm. um, seven or eight years ago and, and Logan didn't have any roundabouts mm. and the whole South end of main street was different. So coming back just over a year ago and seeing all those changes in sh- such a short time, I can't remember if we talked about that in the first time we were on, I don't but think that so. was yeah. kind of, yeah, it was interesting <laughs> to see a place change so much in such a short period of time. And then, I mean, you go in the Canyon and things are the exact same. Same and on campus, things change a little bit, but you've, you've got the, the bones of what's always been there. So it's kind of interesting how to see how the place shifts and grows.
0: Totally. Well, I I know that this underpass project, I mean, that coincides with this whole blue trail master plan that we, I think we touched on last, last time as well. Um, And what did we miss? Like what were any other, I mean, this is a lot of successes in a, in a short amount of time, but did we miss anything?
1: Yeah, uh we uh got a grant um through the boater access fund to do engineering um kind of design work for carrying watercraft ramps onto the Logan. Mm. Um so that's exciting. Uh just kind of inching us closer to um a blue trail, which for folks that don't know what a blue trail is, it's basically a, an aquatic trail. Um so people often think of you know, terrestrial, you're on dirt, you're on pavement. If you are thinking in urban systems, but, uh, yeah, this is just a blue trail for folks to be able to paddleboard kayak, uh, and have some good access points and clear and easy to find access points on the Logan river just to kind of elevate it as a community, uh, benefit.
0: Right. Right. That's awesome. That's great. Anything else? I don't want to miss anything. I, you know, we got to give you, give you credit here.
1: I'll probably we'll probably end the call and I'll be like, dang it, I should have brought this up. Um.
0: Well, if you think of anything, we can always do a (laughs) a part three. Um, Yeah. Part three. a mess, I guess at this point, um, how can people get involved in the, in the work that you do? I know like even today you're, I, are, is it today you're working on Hyde Park with a, with volunteer? Yeah,
1: we've got a, a dig night.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully we got some students, students headed your way yeah. and out reaching out, but um, Thanks for sharing
1: how, that. With yeah, folks. of
0: course. How are other ways for people to get involved? I know we've talked about adopting trails and yeah. um, businesses and, and people can like, can, can do that adopt trails. There's always volunteer nights. There's, um, counting. Like I know that I've (laughs) gotten, yeah,
1: pedestrian counts.
0: pedestrians. That's always fun. What what would you recommend and how can people get involved?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, we try to post to volunteer opportunities and kind of get the word out, um, from when we hear from the forest service and we have the cash trails Alliance folks locally that help out with that quite a bit as well. Um, but so every, uh, the Forest Service has um, an adopt a trail program. And so we've been trying to help kind of spread information about that. So people can sign up and, and go take care of our trails um, and report what they do. I think that that's been a, I guess I'll talk about our, our volunteer dashboard that we made. Um, Cause that's been an exciting win for us. Uh, it's kind of, we'll, we'll kind of, change it as we go forward to make sure that it's, you know, operating well for the forest and for us. But basically we created an online platform so that people can report volunteer work and then also trail conditions that they see on the ground. And then it'll notify uh, the forest and it tracks all the hours. So Mm. every volunteer hour that someone spends out on the, on the ground, um, even if you just walk a trail to assess how it is, we can count that, um, as an hour, um, and an hour as of June, 2021 equates to $28 and 54 cents. So through what we've been able to track this year, I think we're close to $18,000 of volunteer time and that's just on forest service trails. So this is not including all the work that we've been doing with volunteers in Hyde park. Hmm. Um, but, but we, uh, you got to sign up, um, and go through the We've did the pa- made sure the paperwork is all online this year, um, which was new, uh, so that you can just sign up to adopt a trail. And we do a kickoff party in the spring, so you can sign up for your trail. Um, and then you get out there on your own time. We've got tools that we can lend you. Sometimes if there's like a heavy lift, like on bunch grass, there was a lot of hounds tongue this year. So we helped the adopter um, go out there with and try to you know bring other volunteers so we can bag all of it. And hound's tongue is the annoying birds that you get all over you or your Mm -hmm. dog gets all over you when you're out there and it's nasty and it's, (laughs) yeah, we don't like that one. Um, so trying to, you know, help the trail in that way, but adopting a trail can be as easy as going, seeing if there's garbage, um, picking it up, taking note of what the conditions are or, you know, dragging a log off the trail Mm. and, brushing it and trimming vegetation or doing some tread work even and uh putting in some drains it totally depends on the trail and what it needs um but we've yeah it's been so cool to see some of the adopters and their their work so yeah. um yeah we look forward to doing that again next spring and getting people out there to give back to our trails because there's only I think our, our local ranger district they they had like four four people on their crew and they have hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles of trails to take care of. And, you know, there's bigger projects like reroutes that need to be done because of, you know, excessive erosion and what have you, that takes their priority. Um, But then there's miles and miles that just need stewardship. And so volunteers really, it's a heavy, we lean on them quite heavily at this point in our, um, and the forest does too, to help take care of everything. So right. adopt a trail. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, h- how's the best way to do that? Can you send me the link and I'll include that in the description yeah. of this? Um, yeah. I imagine that's helpful for you too, to like translate those volunteer hours into dollars. Cause you probably use that in grants and as, you yeah. know, matches and in kind and all that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. It probably goes, it goes a lot further than just the work that you do on the trail. It could translate into grant money that comes back.
1: Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Thanks for highlighting that. That's key point in tracking the hours. And so we have a dashboard where you can go in and report your hours or what you're seeing on the trail but um, basically that will display how many hours people are doing on each trail. So Mm. like Willow Creek, you, you can look at it. There's like 30 hours and Smithfield there's like 90 something hours. And um, so it shows the tally of how many hours and then how much money that equates to. So try to incentivize people by not only are you getting out there just to do good work and take care of the trails that, you know, give our community so much Solace and peace and health, um, but we can, if we do things right, we can turn that money. We can leverage that,
0: <laughs> right? For sure, leverage yeah. that
1: time as money. And, yeah, it and really amplifies your happen. impact.
0: Yeah, yeah, it totally amplifies it. That's awesome. Yeah, if you can send me links to the dashboard and all that, yeah, we'll would love it out to, to everybody. Um, other ways to stay in touch or reach out or get connected with the work that you're doing. I, another thing to highlight, I feel like you've done a great job of just showcasing like what's happening in trails, like on social media, I, I feel like, I feel connected to what's going on because you're always oh, pushing thanks. out like, Oh, that. this is a project that we're working on, or this is something that's happening. Like you've been very out there in that way. So social is a shakes. good way to stay, stay connected with what's happening.
1: Yeah. We're the trails cache is what our program is called. So, um, yeah, follow along and okay. get them in, get involved if you um students have been really uh, awesome resource and i feel really lucky that we're in the same place as usu um occasionally folks will reach out and be like hey i have x amount of hours to put into a project mm. or like can we is there a tie into a you know a capstone and things like that and um love working with students there's so much work that can be done uh yeah We had students actually create like the framework for our dashboard, the volunteer reporting system that I was talking about Mm -hmm. as an actual potential native like phone app. And so they built that out for us and we're trying to weigh, you know, pros and cons of how much it'll cost to maintain it or if we want to keep doing the system that we have. Um, But anyways, that was huge for us to just even be able to see it and explore that option. And that was because of student work. So
0: that's awesome. Well, we'll try to keep getting students involved on our side for sure.
1: Awesome. Thanks.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for all you do. Thanks for coming on to do another update. Thanks, Thanks for reaching for out to too. suggest it. So <laughs> um, hopefully, well, I'm sure that we'll do another one as, as more of these projects um, get going or get completed. Yeah. So reach out anytime you've got um, anything that you want to share and let's we'll cool. do another one.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Chase.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks, Carly. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu podcast. Follow along on Instagram at usuoutdoorproduct Outdoor Product, and let us know how you're enjoying the
1: show.